Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's so good to see you this morning. Um, today is, uh, I'm leaving the service today because Angel is on vacation. So I'm just going to take us through a few announcements that need to be said. Um, so this is Mosaic Community Church, uh, based in West Philly, if you're new. And um, we have a couple of changes happening on our staff team. Um, the first is uh, AJ. We have hired a new director of operations to take over for, from the, well, I'm going to say irreplaceable, Jessica Richardson. But AJ is incredible too. And so I'm extremely excited about this. And they're going to be uh, working together over the next few weeks to transition and wade through all the, the gubbins that runs the church and stuff. So AJ can t take on the job fully, hopefully at the end of the month. Um, and so you will be seeing AJ uh, maybe a lot more. I think we're going to introduce him to you all next week. And um, so we're really excited about him joining the team. Um, next uh, announcement is, uh, first of all, I'd love to thank so much um, Andrew Richardson, who has put an incredible job putting our online service and content together running Zoom and Facebook and um, basically just producing the online service uh, which takes a lot of um, things and, and so he's stepping down uh, after doing this and we're, we thankfully have three amazing volunteers that have stepped up to take uh, over from Andrew but we would love some more people if you feel really called to help produce a service and even like maybe give new ideas of how we can um, really improve and 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 do new stuff for for the service to make it uh, different and and each week uh, we would love to hear from you and so if you're really interested in that um, please email um, Jessica at admin at mosaicphiladelphia.org um, the third thing is thank you so much for all your giving um, especially the justice um, giving that we set up um, and we've had we, we, we've been able to give money um, to various people that have needed it um, and organizations um, please I know obviously we're in incredible difficult times with uh, huge unemployment and and, and difficulty, but if you are able to still keep giving um, to the church, we really would appreciate it. Just um, so we can really impact our missions that we really want to do uh, in the, in the community and, and the surrounding areas. Um, so, giving. Um, and then, last of all, um, Angel is like I said, Angel's on vacation. Uh, she's she's on vacation till the tenth, uh, so she won't be in the office and. Uh, she will not be receiving any emails uh, because she obviously needs a well-deserved uh, break um, just to re relax and refresh. But also, um, it's a very important time, especially today, um, as today is the anniversary of her father's, the first anniversary of her father's passing. Um, and so um, I just want, would love us to remember her, to keep us, her in our thoughts. Um, and I think I'll lead, up, lead us in prayer in a moment. But if you, like I said, she's not receiving any, any emails um, concerning uh, work or church-related items, but if you feel called that you want to give her some, a message of 
condolence or just an uplift or anything like that, I know she would really appreciate to hear from you. Um, and you can just drop her an email uh, via that. But please, no other emails so she can have a great vacation. Um, so I'm just going to lift her up in prayer now. Lord, we just lift up our pastor, Angel, to you now and just rest beside her and her weary heart as it grieves the anniversary of her father's passing. Lord, that her father had a great impact on her and was a huge mover in her life. And Lord, that when that is taken away, Lord, that can leave a huge hole uh, in people's hearts, Lord. And so we just ask that you just really fill her up with your love and our love as we reach out and lift up our prayers towards her, Lord, so that she can grieve but also look to a, a newer future, that she can use her father's experiences that, that he taught her to, to, to move forward. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So, I'm now going to hand over our worship portion of the service. Um, I'm, 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 it's, I'm thrilled to uh, introduce Parker and Kennedy, who are leading our worship this morning. So, Parker and Kennedy.
Thank you, Parker and Kennedy. That was incredible. Um, so good morning, everyone. Uh, again, <laughs> uh, I'm Jamie, if you don't know me, and I am here at Mosaic. I was formerly the uh, youth specialist here, but I'm now kind of transitioning into a role that's kind of, uh, I guess, the this, this associate pastor of the church um, and training, and, and, and Angel is helping me in, in that journey. Um, so good morning, and it's so good to see you all. Um, I'm actually kind of looking a little bit different um, from last time you saw me. Gone is my flowing long locks, beautiful locks that were making me look like a BG. And um, I'm looking a bit more trimmer. Uh, and that's thank you to my wife, Debbie, who for giving me this new look. Uh, yes, I was very brave in trusting my wife with a sharp pair of scissors, uh, especially since how much she puts up with me in lockdown. Um, you know, I, she could have made me look like something like a rogue or skunk or something. But we actually, we actually had quite a couple's moment. We were watching a movie and she was just snipping it. Uh, and she just watched, she's incredible. She just watched this clip about how to cut hair and, um, and, and did this. And, and actually I'm really happy with it. Um, and so this is a kind of tenuous link to what I re would really love to talk to you about this morning. And that's spiritual connection, uh, particularly with one another. Um, but also, also how we, you know, we uh, build upon, uh, it was quite a connecting moment for us. That's my dog barking, I apologize. Um, and spiritual connection of what we're forging at Mosaic. Um, we say it time and time again, we are a unique church moving in a way that is so new and incredible. But I think it's also a church to learn, uh, for people to come and learn and heal and grow through the love of Jesus from a trauma or hurt or oppression that they've experienced uh, from society or even um, churches uh, or organized religions, um, no matter of what our race our identity is. Um, and I also want to mention um, that a lot of my talk is informed from a book that has been instrumental from, uh, for me um, in opening my eyes and educating me on racism in America, but also actually the Western world. Um, and that book is called Stamps uh, from the Beginning, and it's a definitive history of um, racist ideas in America. Um, and it's written by the incredible author, Professor Ibram X. Kendi. Um, and so I really recommend that you read that if that's something. Um, and so last week, Angel was talking about our spiritual connections to God and Jesus and how everything we see, are, see and are experiencing at the moment um, can really lead to a time, like to a feeling of apathy. Um, and she asked us to see where we are in our conversion, to really understand uh, Jesus and his plan for everyone. And so I kind of want to grow from that conversation about our connection to God and Jesus and ask the question about our spiritual uh, connections to each other and our relationships, our friendships uh, in a context with uh, our church mosaic and how we can take that and look to a wider community and look to our wider community and build upon what our church mission statement actually means um, by making our great city even better by joining Jesus in uh, his ongoing work in the world. And so I really want to 
there's, ov there's, there's obviously an, uh, an elephant in the room, um, and I don't really want to dwell on it too much, but it's pretty obvious, is that obviously lockdown has really hampered our relationships with each other um, and how we connect to each other on a regular basis, which was face-to-face, -face, you know, arm-in-arm. And it's funny, actually, the other day I was walking down the street, and this is actually before I had the haircut, and I saw a good, good friend uh, across the street, and, I, and I, I hadn't seen him for a while in person. We'd been speaking on the phone, and um, I shouted out his name, and he turned around, and, and I could see the puzzled look on his face um, as he tried to work out who I was, because obviously, to be fair, the guy hadn't seen me in a really long time uh, in, per in public, and... Um, I, he hadn't seen me with my long hair and let alone a mask and I was also wearing sunglasses and so I probably looked some kind of medical version of Cousin It from the Adams family. But, um, you know, and it, but, it, but it set us up, uh, set us back a little bit to get into the conversation which so normally in normal situations would have just been easy um, because our relationship's original connection needed to just be a little bit greased up and once we got through that, we had an awesome catch-up. Our spiritual, our, our spiritual connections with each other will be a little off-kilter. When we start reconnecting properly in person, I think we need, you know, we, we need to um, start asking ourselves questions now about how we really intentionally connect with each other. Um, now, so we can, when we are able to, to, to re, you know, to reconnect in person, we are on that road, like that long rocky road to being a spiritually connected to our mission. Um, and also to be an anti-racist, culturally diverse, Jesus-centered church. And so a huge part of that, of our spiritual connection is with each other. And over the 15 years of our existence as a church, we have seen a lot of change to our demographic. Um, starting 15 years ago, we were pretty much predominantly a white church. Um, and we have now progressed to a much, much more diverse congregation. And it's at last count, and this is very rough figures, so it might even be closer now, but roughly it's about 60% white and 40% um, BIPOC. And we have a diverse leadership team and a, and, a, and a diverse council, but there's still so much more work to be done. And I'm, I'm going to get brutally honest uh, about something and something I really need to do is when I was preparing for this sermon um, and was thinking about what it is to be create a spiritually connected diverse church and i realized with the help that i was very very wrong in my thinking um even though it isn't right what i'm going to say here i think it's really important because as i tell my son with his schoolwork, uh, it's just as important to show you're working out how you got the answer and just giving the answer and so I'm just trying, going to try and sum up. I was trying to, basically, I was trying to sum up what it takes to create a deeply connected and diverse church. And I came up with this. Diversity should be exploring and building upon the unique potential of each person rather than highlighting the differences between us. Highlighting the differences, 
differences forces us into an us and them mentality, whereas the former can ignite curiosity and creativity. Now, to some of us, that might seem an all right idea. It certainly seemed to me okay. But actually, when I, when I really scrutinized it and, and started reading, um, it's actually riddled with individualism and liberal white privilege. Um, it actually alienates because it doesn't give any context for people to feel a belonging to a place, in this case our church, because it bypasses their identity, who they were created to be, and develops an unease to try and fit. And so the reason I say this is because diversity and inclusion has been in it's been in big trouble for, I mean, forever. And so as we try to start to right the wrongs of racism and bigotry that has created, that, that, that racism and bigotry has created in destroying identity and spiritual connection with each other. And so this leans into my learnings about the forming of racism uh, from the book stamped uh, from the beginning. Professor Kendi, um, he breaks up racist ideas into really three voices. Segregationists, assimilationists, and anti-racists. And looks into how they rationalized racist uh, disparities. Um, and obviously, it's easier to identify racist segregationist ideas and condemn them and fix them. But Kendi um, points out that it's much harder to identify assimilationist thinking due to the white dominance in cultural thinking. Many, many historical thinkers have been celebrated as progressive and liberal, actually ascribed to assimilationist thinking. And so pointing out things such as environment, culture, poverty, as the creators, uh, to the creators of black behaviors, and that they should adopt white cultural traits to be better. Now, Kendi asserts that there actually has always been a persistent line of anti-racist thought, challenging those assimilationist and segregationist thoughts, and have uh, not only sought to highlight the different skin colors, hair textures, cultures, to be on the same level, but also celebrate them. And I actually also want to include uh, the LGBTQ plus community here. Um, and their struggle with oppression. So I think the same could be said for churches, that they can fall into the same three voices. And again, it's obviously kind of easy to identify the segregationalist church, which are still unfortunately prevalent in our society. Um, and, but there is also, um, and I feel that there is many churches that are assimilationist in their theology and outreach. And so someone told me that they attended a church once um, and they were given a warm welcome by someone who introduced themselves as the assimilationist deacon. And you know when you accidentally say what you're thinking and it comes out? Uh, well, this friend's reaction was, oh, no, thank you. Um, you know, they didn't mean to say it, obviously, to that person right in that person's face, but it was their honest reaction that, to something that made them deeply uncomfortable. With assimilationist churches, in their haste to make somebody welcome with the journey in, with Christ and incorporate them into the church, 
we leave that person's identity at the door. And to use the racist trope, we don't see colour. In our misguided attempt to try and be inclusive. And that's incredibly dangerous. And why my initial statement was wrong. If we are truly to be an anti-racist, LGBTQ plus inclusive church, because of, the individualist, uh, because of the individualism and isolation it can provoke, particularly, particularly to people who have been excluded and oppressed. But being an anti-racist and inclusive church means that we really need to address what that means in terms of our spiritual connections with our relationships inside of the church so that we can reflect that into serving the wider community. Um, over the past month, we have been using acts uh, to guide us through these ideas of becoming anti-racist and inclusive, but Jesus-centered. Um, and it just so happens that this talk uh, is actually helped, you know, Acts 13 has really helped me in my thinking too. Previously in Acts, um, we started to look at the story of Cornelius and Peter. And, um, and then we moved on to Peter's to spreading the word of Jesus under incredibly, incredible uh, and immense persecution and resistance. And now in uh, Acts 13, chapter um, Acts 13, it marks a turning point in Acts. The first 12 chapters really focus on Peter um, and the remaining chapters revolve around Paul with, P uh, with Peter. The emphasis was is the Jewish church in Jerusalem and Judea. And um, with Paul, the focus is the spread of the entire church throughout the Roman world, which began at the church of Antioch in Syria as its base of operations uh, now instead of Jerusalem. Now, I'm gonna read Acts 13. So, among the prophets and the teachers of the church of Antioch and of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius from Cyrene and Manaen, the childhood companion of Herod Antipas and Saul. One day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for special work for which I have called them. And so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid hands on them and sent them on their way. Paul's first mission, missionary journey. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And they went down to the seaport of Seleucia and sailed for the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterwards, they travelled from town to town across the entire island until they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false named prophet named Elimus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, as filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked at the sorcerer in the eye, and then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy that is all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, because the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. And instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for somebody to take his hand and lead him. 
And when the governor had saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished about the teaching about the Lord. It is interesting here because the list of leaders uh, in this story, the list of men who are leaders in the church of Antioch, is actually a diverse spectrum of society from Simon to Lucius, um, from Cyrene, who was from Libya, and to Menaean, the boyhood uh, companion of Herod Antipas. Now, Niger is a very common, uh, uh, Simeon um, called Niger is a very common Roman name. He may have been Roman, uh, may, may have been a Roman citizen, but the Jewish community used nicknames. And here it is a nickname that suggests the old antiquated name to refer to someone who was black or, or of dark complexion um, and was probably also from North Africa. Um, Menaean, being referred to as a childhood companion and would refer to being brought up with Herod, may mean that he had the same sort of wetness, the same wetness as Herod. And Menaean would is likely to have been a slave growing up in Herod's family. Um, now, it was common for um, a slave that grew up in, in, in the family's house uh, would be obviously inherited uh, by Herod, and they were childhood companions. Um, but it was likely that Herod might have set him free, and therefore he would have held a prominent position socially before Herod Antipas' fall. Um, and so some theologians think that he actually may have been the actual source to give Luke all his material about Herod in the gospel. And so this group was a diverse in what they did within the church as they were prophets and teachers. As we know, prophets hear from the Holy Spirit. Um, but it is incredible that hearing from the Holy Spirit it would be incredibly normal to early Christianity, but it's actually phenomenal, phenomenal at its time because prophets were actually very, thought to be very rare. Um, and here you had a whole group of them from very different places. So this, new, this group um, knew the power and strength of diversity and identity. And so alongside spreading Jesus' message, they knew that a diverse group of people would bring many gifts and many perspective, but also a better understanding of God's creation. And so they were extremely spiritually connected to God. And they were told and they heard from God to start spreading, um, to start missions so they could spread the word of Jesus. And so they sent Barnabas to, and Saul to Cyprus. Now, Cyprus was a perfect place to start, as it was where Barnabas was originally from. Now, Cyprus, up until that point, um, was, had a very subjugate, uh, varied, subjugated life from the Phoenicians, Persians, Greeks, Egyptians, and Syrians. Um, and the ancient Mycenaean, um, culture of southern Greece influenced Cypriot life more than, uh, more than the others. There was also a, huge, a large Jew Jewish population there, and they also had um, excellent trade relations to Judea. Um, and here, when Saul and Barnabas arrive in Cyprus, they actually meet the Roman governor. Um, now, the Roman governors, uh, or, or Roman governors in general, would actually probably have in their 
I'd say court, um, a lot of philosophers as advisors, um, and they tended to distrust magic. But here, the governor had a sorcerer, had a magician called um, Elamus, who was used by the governor to really seek a Jewish perspective on various matters. And so he seems pretty open to the ideas of Judaism. But here, Elimus is not doing the best job and is rebuked by Saul because Elimus is letting his own agenda get in the way of letting the governor really see his own potential. And so Barnabas and Saul do a fine job as the governor ends up giving his life to, to Christ. Now, this story conveys the early church's desire for, for diversity. The governor being open to Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas and Paul being open to explore and bring the message that had been heard via the leaders of the church. And the desire for diversity should be, ex uh, should be about exploring and learning from the unique perspective of each group of people. So we see and embrace the contribution each offers to our standing of God and God's creation. Because God created us all, created us all right? No one group is meant to have control or be separated from one another or asked to assimilate to what makes them comfortable. And so I have a few questions for you. And these are the questions I'm asking myself. How are you seeking a diverse life? Look at the photos on your walls, in your albums or your photo cloud. What do they look like? Is it a diverse group or is it pretty much the same? What can you do to change it? I, have, I need to have a more diverse spiritual connections in my life as it is incredibly white. Not to make myself cooler, but to make myself my life richer and to model that for my children. We chose a public school for our children because we wanted them to have richer and fuller lives, to hear and understand different perspectives. But it was funny, when I would walk into school, um, my, my son's school, and hang around to make sure he was settling in. Well, actually, I stayed in the schoolyard because I was grieving the process that my child was grow, growing up. But um, I actually noticed there was a lot of white parents would congregate to get together. Um, a lot of the white parents would congregate together. And it made my heart sad as it was modeling behavior to their children. And I didn't want my son to see that. And so I would talk to anyone or I'd try to talk to anyone as it was important to show my son that all connections matter. And I have made some excellent friendships from it. We are also seeing in this country um, incredibly tough immigration laws preventing people to seek better lives and to help companies bring the best into, to help the country uh, develop in a, and develop and innovate to help the country and the wider world and it's being done in the name for taking American jobs when actually it's a well-known fact that having an excellent and healthy immigration system really powers a country forward because of the diverse voices showing their gifts and so these gift, uh, so these actions can breed apathy and disconnection not only from God but from each other and so I said earlier that this talk grew from angels last week. 
And so I'm going to ask, finish by asking you the same question, um, but add to it. And I want you to consider where you are in your conversion since you first believed. What is the nature of your current spirituality and your connection to others? What is the nature of your connection with Jesus? And how is Jesus helping you discover friends at this time? Is apathy or old ways winning? Will you deepen your connection in our present situation so that you, we, can find new nourishing gifts that provide us with reasons for, pro for profound joy? Amen. Now Kennedy and Parker are going to lead us in worship.
So our last song is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And usually it's an Advent song, but we felt that there are no better words that we could find to express the general feeling of our nation and our church community and our family during this time. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O come, now day spring and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night. And death's dark shadows was to fight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou wisdom from on high, far and nigh to us the path of knowledge show and cause us in our ways to go Re 
rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bind envy, strife, and quarrel cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Thank you, uh, Kennedy and Parker. Um, I'm just looking at the time and I feel like I've really spoke very quickly. <laughs> but, um, and so I just want to kind of affirm something in our hearts that these questions we ask ourselves, um, we're never going to find the right answers immediately. And so this is, it's, it's a marathon. Um, it's going to be a hard marathon to ask these questions of ourselves and how we do this. And, but this is the work we need to do. Um, and so um, I just want to finish the service um, on some words that have encouraged me um, as we feel very separated from each other. But it's taken from Romans, um, Paul's letter to the Romans um, from, um, chapter 8 and it's verse 38 um, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love no power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of god that is revealed in christ jesus our lord and so i just want you to have those words echoing you as we start moving forward um you know as we feel probably even more separated from our loved ones as schools aren't going back as we are probably heading into a, a, a more waves of seclusion that nothing can separate us from God's love and we can hold on to that um, and that we can use that for our connections with others and so I just Hope you have an amazing week um, and I'll see you all soon.